Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And in our area, the, the traffic was mad, wasn't it? The traffic was mad. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Barking Madness. mad. Barking mad. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Hello, Josh. Hello, Mark. Nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. You sound uh, so sincere with your introductions nowadays. Hold on, I just started talking and now my Alexa is responding and starts playing music. So hold on a second. Let's just uh, unpack Alexa this a stop. minute. Why do you yeah. call your Alexa Josh? Is there something we need to know about? How strange. Um, what music did she play? I can't, I don't know. Let me check what um, was about to be played on there. It's yeah. a very interesting for the listeners. Talk amongst yourselves. Does your wife know that you call your Alexa Josh? No. It was okay. going to play um, Platino. Who's I Platino? I don't even know what that is, but it uh, okay. sounds fantastic. Mark, what's that um, growing on your face? I feel like last year we had this conversation as well, but I um, often, as the nights draw in and the days get shorter and colder, I like to grow a winter beard. A winter beard. That's it. Yeah. So what's it a winter keeps, beard? Keeps me warm. It's a beard that you grow in winter. Although okay. It's currently autumn, but by winter it should be fertilised and um, okay, fluffy <laughs> enough. Or I may just get bored and shave it. But I try to grow it and shape it into a nice kind of. So I kind of look rugged and wintry. When by the time the actual festive period comes and people look at me and they think he's enjoying the festive season. He's, he's got his beard ready. Can you stop touching your mic? Sorry. He's got his, he's got his beard ready. His um, hair is looking on fleek. Do, um, does your face often get cold? Yeah. Does, don't parts of your body get cold when you go outside? Well, I tend to I cover, cover up the bits that get cold. But how do you cover your cheeks? We're talking about the, the, the upper cheeks. Yeah, the, the upper cheeks. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, balaclava you could wear? A balaclava? <laughs> Snood, snood. I want people to be able to see my face, fair enough. My beard. Well, you look lovely, Mark. On the um, this uh, creates an interesting segue into our subject we're going to talk about today, on the subject of weather and how and um, feeling hot and cold and warm. Before you Media, um, no, go into before I that, jump into that because yeah. I, I know you uh, you like your segues, but I'm going to take you off at a tangent for a minute. Oh, um, I hear congratulations are in order. On my beard. Not your beard. Oh, okay. And not the fact that you've worked out how to use the microphone. The fact that you, you won an award, didn't you? I did. Tell us so about it. The last time we spoke, I may have mentioned that I was nominated for a Headline Money Award, which is 
like it's described as the Oscars of the financial media industry. And that's huge. Huge, huge. And uh, I've been nominated many times in this competition in various roles. I've been down for mortgage journalist of the year in the past and um, other categories. And this year I was down for freelance journalist of the year um, on a short list of four other people who all, all happen to be very good women, very good female journalists. Everyone oh, on the you list were the only male, the token male. I was the only male. So that's exactly what I thought. I thought in 2021, in the Me Too era, I'm just the token male on this list. And I'm, but as very men much go, you are to... quite feminine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And um, I have very much become accustomed to making up the numbers and just having my polite clap when I inevitably lose an award. But this time it, was, it, came, it came up and the award was in the second half. So by then I was quite drunk and I think I was very <laughs> resigned to not winning and then suddenly my face appeared on this big screen was it live or was it a photo you'd sent in that was a photo a very old photo before children before before beard before the beard yeah as um my face was as smooth as a baby's bottom and uh yeah my name came up and you sort of stand up and it all just happens in slow motion i just kind of stood up and floated to the stage i don't really remember much of it and then suddenly i'm on stage do you have to give a speech no you just have to take the trophy yeah accept the trophy and then you stand for a photo but because my wife likes taking so many photos i've developed this twitch where if it's taking too long very good oh yeah um whereas if it's taking too long i'd sort of do something you can't see now if you're listening but i do an eyebrow raise which is my kind of just take the bloody picture yeah I've seen that look, yeah. Yeah. And I've watched a video back of me getting this award and I do that in the ceremony, okay. which I'm a bit embarrassed about. And people may think I was unappreciative, but I was very shocked and honoured. And was there a celebrity giving out these awards? Yeah, it was Marcus Brigstock. And for those of our listeners, because obviously I know who that is, for those of our listeners who don't know who Marcus Bridgestock is, do you want to say, tell us? He's a comedian stroke uh, Radio 4 presenter. Lovely. Yeah. Interesting how people say stroke, because that, um, that, that stroke sign must have a real name. Stroke? Forward <laughs> slash. Forward slash. Okay, so he's a, he's a comedian forward slash yeah. uh, radio journalist. Fantastic. Oh, well done, Mark. Thank you. Now the challenge is to win it next year or not. Who knows? To retain your title. So um, It's quite nice because it's in the shape of an H, an H. Huh. A no, half, an H, not a H. An, an H. My mum would go mad with you if she heard you say H. <laughs> So I tell people that it's my husband of the year award. Very good. Because her for husband. H for husband. So um, now how are you going to segue from that into today's topic? It was very hot in that room (laughs) because there was very little ventilation, which I was a bit surprised about. Was there a lot of energy in the the room? Oh, very good. A lot of energy in the room. And that was before the energy crisis struck. So we're going to talk about this, aren't we? Because it's very topical at the moment. When I was a wee lad, in the early days of becoming a freelance personal finance award-winning journalist... Well, you started, yeah. Uh, I've, yeah, you're right. But when I was writing about this sort of stuff, there was, I think, when I started in 2008, there was a financial crisis, and that was about the banks, and uh, it was interesting, but you didn't really feel it because it was you were just writing about banks going bust and people losing their jobs, but it was something happening to other people. But now, uh, well, there's a couple of things going on. There's a supply chain crisis where we can't get things like petrol and food 
for various reasons. But also we've got the energy crisis, which we're going to hone in on today. We haven't spoken is, about the, um, the petrol crisis, I don't think, have no, we? No, but we'll, I mean, that's more a shortage of sensible people crisis. But yeah, there were a lot of them, weren't there? <laughs> yeah. Um, the energy crisis, though, is one of those things where you write about it, but you're also living it. Because for millions of people, their energy suppliers have been going bust in recent months. I'm one of those people. I'm two of them. We're two of those people. And um, that's leaving people with um, higher tariffs, higher bills, and not many areas to turn. I think we should just first point out to anyone listening, if your energy supplier does go bust, you don't need to panic because the uh, the off-gem, I think they're called, is that right, Mark? They make sure that your supply will continue. So don't panic. That's the no. first thing so, to yeah. make sure. So this is called the supplier of last resort. So let's break it down. So break it energy, down. energy prices, and the energy market is in a little bit of a crisis at the moment because gas prices, which is how most of our energy is supplied, has hit, have hit record highs. And So why, is, why have gas prices hit record highs? What's going on? Well, this is to do with... with increased demands as um, lots of countries have come out of the pandemic. So people producing the gas are struggling to keep up. I think there've been a couple of factories that have closed. But it also isn't helped by Ofgem, the regulator, introducing what we have in the UK, which is a price cap on uh, default energy bills. So... I think this was introduced in 2019 and Ofgem decided that to stop customers getting ripped off when they come off a fixed term contract, suppliers have a maximum that they can charge you on their sort of default tariff. So you'll fall off a cheap fixed rate onto a standard variable tariff. Let's talk about that one for a bit, Mark, because in most other industries that I can think of, when your deal ends... There's no like yeah. limit on what the supplier can charge you. So I'm just thinking things like no. your mobile phone bill, your mobile phone contract, or mm. your broadband, or your telephone, things like that. Not, am I right that those yeah. don't have caps? So why? Right. I wonder why they put it into energy. So I think this is to be fair to customers because then otherwise these big private companies could just charge anything and then people risk not being able to pay their bills and then getting cut off. And then you don't have heating or energy and that creates health issues. That makes sense. It's to make sure everyone can still have affordable heating yeah. and electricity. Exactly. And the downside of that is, well, let's make it up because the energy market used to be dominated by the big six energy firms. So companies like British Gas, Empower, Eon, EDF, SSE and someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the big five. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. And, but then in recent years, there's been more competition and smaller supplies have come into the market, um, which has helped all customers because it means we've all benefited from cheap energy deals. So, as a personal finance journalist, and I hold my hands up here, I've spent a lot of years saying the best way to save money on your energy is to shop around and switch, and there's a lot of cheap supplies beyond the big six or five that I just mentioned. Yeah, so there were about, I think a year ago, there were about 70 suppliers. Yeah. And now there's about 30. Yeah. 
So the way a lot of these smaller suppliers made, have been making business was just to buy a batch of energy at the current price and then uh, get some, uh, get attract customers with low price deals. And then they just try and they buy a little bit. So they're not, they don't, they weren't really buying ahead or storing it and they weren't hedging against price rises. Okay. So they go and buy a, a, a unit of energy for a pound yeah. and they'd sell it to me for one pound, five pence. Yeah. So they'd make five pence profit on, on that unit of energy. Yeah. But they were just buying it and selling it on. What you're saying is they weren't maybe planning ahead yeah. and buying up a big supply at a cheap price in case the prices went up. Is that right? Exactly. So now suddenly the gas prices have gone up and Ofgem has a price cap. Why are they called so Ofgem, by the way? The office for... Because I thought it was something with energy, but I don't know what Ofgem is. Good question. Let's come back to that. Okay. Or not. Um, so suddenly you can't increase your default tariff beyond um, current, what's well, currently, I think, £1,277. And you haven't got enough reserves to buy more energy because the energy is more expensive from a gas supply. So what that has unfortunately meant is a lot of these companies, these smaller suppliers, have gone bust. Because the way they calculate the cap is that they look at the market prices, so the, the wholesale prices that the energy suppliers pay for the last six months, yeah. and they set the cap based on that. And I think when when prices are stable or increasing or decreasing slightly, that works. But if they go up rapidly, like they have done over the last few months and, and year, that causes these companies a, a problem. And then, so there is this, uh, as you mentioned, this supplier of last resort scheme that um, Ofgem has, where if your company fails, another supplier will come in. But often the suppliers that then take over are the bigger ones who had those more expensive deals that you were trying to avoid. I know you said you, you sort of hold your hands up and admit, but I don't think you, you made a mistake. I think you were correct that people should shop for the best energy deal. That's, that's, that was good advice. It's not um, consumers' faults that companies have gone bust. Well, this is where I think there's an interesting issue because as consumers, should we only worry about paying the lowest rate for our energy or should we be worried about how sustainable it is? And I think this... Oh, you're getting green on me. I'm getting green. One also, just also corporate governance-wise, I think it's applies to the supply chain crisis as well. We're probably going to have to accept paying more for goods. But with energy, should you be as worried about how financially viable your company you're paying these cheap rates to is? Well, the fault, I mean, if I'm unpacking it, I think the fault potentially lies with Ofgem because mm -hmm. they're the ones that set the cap. So they didn't have to have a cap. So they were trying to do something good. And I agree with that. They were trying to make sure as we think that people can always have access to uh, gas and electricity at, at reasonable rates. But because they set the cap and the formula they used, that's what's caused a lot of these companies to go out of business. Because if there was no cap, the suppliers would have just been able to put up their uh, gas and electricity prices accordingly. And is it, uh, we've probably touched on this in the past, I think we may have done a podcast on it. If people are going to not shop around 
is it is it everyone else's responsibility to make sure they have a cap or do is it better off to educate these people and say you should be shopping around for for the best deal well i think they've been trying that and people still weren't doing it fair enough but i do think i do think ofgen does shoulder some responsibility and i think it also needs to think about how it is licensing some of these firms to be providers because maybe they should have be doing financial checks and should be saying you need, like with banks, you need you need, reserves. you need reserves. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's sensible. So the bigger companies, let's say the big big six or five, because you can't remember one, the big yeah. six, they can cope because they are bigger. They have maybe more cash in the bank or they've bought further ahead of their energy. They're protected for longer. But yeah. I imagine they're probably taking a hit as well um, because of this cap, because if prices have gone up and they're only able to charge people less than that, they're, they're also going to suffer. Not that I'm sticking up for big corporates and and things, but you yeah. do have to look at the bigger picture. Yeah, but a lot of them are getting new customers now, aren't they? At a loss, potentially. Mm, interesting. It was Scottish Power was the other one, by thank, the way. Thank you. Just in case you're wondering. So yeah, getting new customers, but at a, at a loss. Because if they're having to now buy more energy that they mm. hadn't planned on at, uh, at £1.80... And if the price cap is one pound fifty, they're they're actually making a thirty p loss per unit. Those numbers I've made up, by the way, they're not real okay. numbers. Well, I think they, but they make a lot because, for example, if we look at my case, I was with People's Energy who failed, and now British Gas has taken over, and the tariff I'm paying, I'll be paying three hundred pounds more per year. So a lot of them are bringing out more expensive contracts for the customers they're bringing on. I don't think they're bringing out a new. I don't. Is, I don't think that's a new rate. I think that is you're going to be at the price cap. No, it's a new rate. It's it, higher than the price cap. It's higher than the price cap. Yeah, I didn't know they were allowed to do that. But it can do. We can because when you do a fixed rate, it's whatever you want. So you've, the fixed you, rates can be higher. So you've moved on to a fixed rate. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, fine. So with my energy, my new energy supplier, hmm. which is going to be Octopus Energy. Oh, so yeah, they're a bit better. And incidentally, they do. I think do a lot of green. Energy. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had all the details yet. I'm waiting to hear from them, but I think it's going to be a variable tariff, which will be at the price cap. So we probably should have said at the start the the two main energy bills you can have is the, the variable tariff, where there's this cap, and or fixed rate tariffs, which is a set unit you pay for your yeah energy. And historically, fixed rate deals were cheaper. Yeah, because the energy supplier knew they could lock you in for a period of time. They'd have some guaranteed money, mm. uh, but at the moment there are no fixed rate deals uh, cheaper than the price cap. Yes, so people are actually better off in the short term sticking on the variable tariffs with the price cap, albeit that is likely to go up again in April. Yes, so it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Because we've got months ahead now of rising energy bills. Yeah, and I think. There's more, I, I guess. There's there's a knock-on effect to that. So rising energy bills probably has a, um, as I said, a knock-on effect on other things. So for instance, if supermarket costs go up, maybe just to use their fridges or their lights or their heating, that might mm. mean the price of food goes up, and we potentially have this inflationary spiral. Indeed. What about from a financial planning perspective? If my energy bills are suddenly going up and I'm applying for a mortgage, how does that affect me? 
So I haven't seen anything official from the mortgage lenders yet, but I imagine they are going to update their affordability calculators. They have sort of uh, assumed expenditure, some of them. So we assume you're going to spend, I'm just going to make a number up here, £1,500 a year on electricity, uh, gas and electricity. So what some of them might do is now assume that's £2,000 as an example. So I think it's going to be harder for people to borrow as much as they did just a few weeks ago. That's going to be tricky for a lot of people because you may be thinking, wanting to get on the property ladder in the next, I don't know, year. And now you've got, you're looking at going into the spring with rising energy bills. It's going to be hard to predict your your finances. Yeah, you have to have, you've got to try and budget. And the impact shouldn't be enormous. So if we use the example of an extra £500 a year on energy. For, for what a lender is going to lend you, that's probably only going to impact it by a few thousand pounds here or there. Mm. So I don't think it's going to have impact in terms of tens of thousands of pounds, but none, nevertheless, it will have some impact. What about your investments? Do people need to worry about their stock, their funds? or I guess it could be good if you've got money in some of the bigger energy suppliers. If you think they're going to make profits. I'm not, yeah. I'm not so sure in the short term. No, you should. I don't think you ever need to worry about your investment funds as long as you've got a sensible plan um, because there are always these short-term events that impact on things. And as you know, as uh, sensible financial planners, we plan for the long term and these little speed bumps in the road, whilst they seem like enormous events when you're in the thick of them, in terms of your investments in the long run, they're not going to have a, a massive impact. Apart from if you, let's say, have bought directly into some of these energy companies. And should we talk about some lessons? Have you what have you learned any lessons yourself from this energy crisis? Do you think you would switch to a small supplier in the future when it, when it's worth it, if it's worth it? Well, I think there will probably be some changes in the regulations and the way companies can come in, like you said before. So I will still continue to switch suppliers to make sure I've got the best deal. Um, one thing I'll probably do, which I've never had done in the past, is maybe look into the supplier in a bit more detail. Hmm. It just has a little uh, extra admin mode, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's not, as I said before, it's not, uh, there's no need to panic. There's no issue. I, we're not going to get cut off from gas and electricity. So the short-term implication impact is pretty small. And even if you were on a, let's say you're with one of the big six, British gas, for example, and you're on a fixed rate, when your fixed rate comes to an end, you're going to be in the same position as everyone else paying higher prices. So it hasn't put me off switching. What about you? Well, I was using an automatic energy switching service. And these, these are companies that are supposed to move you to a different supplier each time you can save a certain amount of money. You what was your one called? 50 grid. Uh, I was using look after my bills, but and, there's others and that's like free um, service. That's free. There's there's one that there's a couple that charge, but they they're free. And um, well, they've actually switched me twice to companies that have subsequently collapsed. Okay. Um, but their argument, because I wrote about this for the Mail on Sunday, was that um, what day did they print it? It was that a couple of weeks ago. No, I was taking a mic because you it said was, on they Sunday. They print it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, their argument was that these companies aren't badly run. They've just been hit by the price cap and poor support from Ofgem, right. which is 
Oh, but it's still annoying that I would have thought that they were doing their due, dil- due diligence on companies. But as you say, it does sound like it's something that us as consumers are going to have to. But you're saying they automatically switch you. You don't get a say in it. Uh, you can't. Well, every time you, you've got 14 days to cancel a new contract, so you can do, use that. So, so just so I'm clear, they were making the change, and then you would have to unpick it, or they give you 14 days to decide. You'd have to unpick advance. it. That's a bit annoying. So I, I used one. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called. I think it's Money Saving Expert Energy Club or something hey, like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I don't know whether I've just opted into something different. Is that your your kids in the room? No, that's the dog. He's, got, he's, got, he's got a view on energy. Here you yeah. go. What do you think? He's um, gone shy now. Go the, the way I had it set up with them was that they would notify me if yeah. there's a better deal out there. Um, and then I can make a decision. And when you're looking at the tariffs, they, they give you the option to exclude ones that maybe haven't got a track record or a smaller companies have got a bad customer score. So it was quite a good service. Yeah. I don't I don't pass any blame onto them. Well, I don't, that's I think that those letters are a good thing to end on. Yeah. Well, let's just let's end on a on a positive. Let's talk about this petrol crisis. Well, that seems to have I'm down there. You go. Dog's got big views on petrol. What's that you're saying? I don't know why people were panic, <laughs> panic buying. There was no need to. That made it worse. Yeah, that made it worse. And, and in yeah, our area, the, the, the traffic was mad, wasn't it? The traffic was mad. That's what he's saying. Yeah, barking Madness. mad. Barking mad. Um, yeah, that's going to be did a bit you, crazy. Did you, uh, your car is electric, is that right? Yeah, but it did make me feel a bit smug having a hybrid, and I actually remembered to charge it. But then it didn't help because my supply energy supply had collapsed on <laughs> a more expensive deal, so I'm paying more for my electricity. Uh, one hand giveth, and one hand taketh away. Yeah, lovely, Mark. It's been a pleasure as always. Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Schoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app. That helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. penny.